I'm Emily Campagno. I'm Guy Benson. I'm Shannon Bream, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Wednesday, June 29th, 2022. I'm Dave Anthony. Now that the Supreme Court has ruled on abortion, some red states ban it, including Arkansas, with the only exception if the mother's life is at risk. We respect the life of the mom. We don't want that to be endangered. But we also, in other circumstances, we want to make sure that the uh, life of the unborn uh, is recognized as well. We speak with Republican Governor Asa Hutchinson. And Lisa Brady, a former high school coach, says he's thanking God after a fight over prayer that went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. Religious liberty for one faith group is religious liberty for all of us. Today, we are a more free country because Coach Kennedy maintained his fight for almost seven years to preserve religious freedom, not just for himself, but for all Americans. And I'm Will Kane, and I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown. Abortion is now banned, or will be, in more than a dozen states. They should be mindful of abiding by all the rules and regulations of the state of Mississippi. That's Republican Attorney General Lynn Fitch. But the bans there and in other states face legal challenges in state courts after the U.S. Supreme Court took away the federal legal right to abortion, which frustrates Democratic Senator Amy Klobuchar. We now have women in Minnesota have different rights than women in North Dakota. Or women in Wisconsin will have different rights than people in Nebraska or then in Texas. Leaders in blue states are reaching out to women that live in red states. Illinois will be a safe haven for the exercise of your reproductive rights. Democrat J.B. Pritzker calls himself the most pro-choice governor in America. Here, we trust you to make your own decisions. The governor in Arkansas has a much different view. It's one of the states now banning most abortions. Well, I was happy with the decision because for over 30 years uh, in the pro-life movement, we said Roe versus Wade was wrongly decided and it should be reversed and the authority returned to the states. Governor Asa Hutchinson is a Republican. And it's important to note that there's not any nationwide uh, ban on abortion. Each state will determine based upon its own values and uh, legislative process as to what restrictions should be in place. In Arkansas, uh, we have a strong pro-life culture and the legislature passed uh, a trigger law, which means that uh, now abortion uh, is uh, not uh, authorized except to save the life of the mother. We respect the life of the mom. We don't want that to be endangered, but we also, in other circumstances, we want to make sure that the uh, life of the unborn uh, is recognized as well. All right. Now, if there are abortions done in Arkansas from this day forward and, and there is no determination that the mother's life is at risk, what happens? Well, first of all, we expect people to apply by the law. And the information I have is that the abortion providers uh, are complying with the law. Uh, they've actually closed their facility. Uh, and because whenever the life of the mother's in danger, generally that's done in a hospital setting or right, right. Uh, by uh, physicians that are trained for that. And so uh, that's the current status. Okay. All right. If there were illegal abortions, the, the, the woman is never charged, right? It would be the people who provided the abortion. Is that correct? 
That is correct. It's very important, and that's uh, Arkansas approach, but I think many other states in the pro-life movement is that uh, you don't uh, charge the mom. She's uh, in difficult circumstances. This is a matter of the providers, and that's what the penalties are designed for if a provider violates the law. But not everybody in Arkansas is Republican or is conservative. There are women in your state who believe that the Supreme Court has taken away a right. And there and there are a lot of people in all states that are upset on that side, on the pro-choice side. How do you change their minds? Well, it's all about education, understanding, listening to each other. And, and that's the essence of democracy, that... Those who oppose abortion restrictions have to work with others and to change the law. Obviously, I wouldn't be supportive of that. And so the Supreme Court simply said it's up to the states. Okay. Yeah. And then then there are are Democrat-led states that are trying to implement ways to help women in Arkansas and other red states who want to get an abortion. What happens? What would you do? What is going to be the case in Arkansas if a woman from Arkansas is uh, goes to California and gets paid for by that state to get the procedure? Well, that's called freedom of travel. And uh, I do not see uh, there's any constitutional authority to restrict that travel. Uh, it's interstate commerce. It's uh, the freedom of travel. And so uh, that is the current status. I mean, people are are free to do that. Obviously, we would discourage it. We want to save unborn children, and that's not the solution we hope that they provide. We want to be able to provide services to them, meet their needs, uh, so that they don't make that choice. But that's their uh, freedom to do that. For the women who are pregnant who who may not uh, want to give birth, what on the pro-life side, what do you do on the counseling side? How do you work with them? We have uh, we devoted a million dollars extra for our uh, pregnancy uh, centers so that they can provide services that are needed. So that's what we're doing. We want to increase our adoption services so that they know that adoption is an alternative. We want there's two million couples across America that uh, are willing to adopt. We need to make sure they're connected with those that are wanting uh, to have adoption as an alternative. A lot of abortions are not performed by a doctor at a clinic somewhere. In fact, the Guttmacher Institute reports that in 2020, more than half of all abortions in the U.S. were induced by medicine using so-called abortion pills that women can get in the mail after getting a prescription online. Health and Human Services Secretary Javier Becerra says states won't be allowed to stop that. So we'll continue to make sure that something like medication abortion is made available to all women regardless of what state they're in. What will they do in Arkansas? Well, first of all, if it's contraceptive medication, then that is absolutely permitted. Contraception is uh, not changed in any way. Uh, If you're looking at medical abortion, then that is a provider that would be in violation of Arkansas law if unless it was to save the life of the mother. Uh, And so that is the key distinction. But if someone found medication through a provider out of state or something like that, would that make it more difficult for you to prevent? 
Well, sure, there's always uh, enforcement issues whenever it's done online or in the mail, but I expect people to follow the law. If it is an abortion, uh, then we have a law that uh, restricts that. And I hope that the federal government does not uh, undermine the uh, Supreme Court case by the federal government becoming uh, an abortion provider. I don't think that's the role of the federal government, and I hope they don't take that path, as some policymakers have encouraged them to do. Okay. There's also a controversy in some states that have uh, restrictions or bans on abortion will have an exception for rape or incest. That's not the case in Arkansas. Even those in the pro-life community are, are divided on that, correct? Uh, that's correct. Uh, there's differing views on that. Uh, there's differing views within the Republican Party, and I expect that debate to continue. Uh, I actually have historically supported uh, the exceptions for rape and incest, uh, but that was not the will of our General Assembly. They passed the law with only one exception, and it was with a supermajority that uh, I could not change. And so that debate will continue. Uh, Other states will reach different decisions. Arkansas may or may not change that in the future, but we're going to learn from experience. Away from abortion, another big issue is what to do about gun violence. Following the massacres at a Buffalo, New York supermarket and the elementary school in Uvalde, Texas, President Biden signed new gun regulations into law over the weekend. Oh, this bill doesn't do everything I want. It does include actions I've long called for that are going to save lives. Some Republicans joined Democrats in Congress approving enhancing background checks on buyers 18 to 21, funding more school security and mental health programs, and provisions to prevent some domestic abusers and those deemed by a court to be dangerous from having firearms. What does Governor Hutchinson think? First of all, I applaud the bipartisan group that worked on a solution. I think America likes to see Congress uh, being able to address challenges. Uh, If I understand the law correctly, uh, a state like Arkansas will have additional resources for mental health, uh, which is greatly needed, and it's not contingent upon adopting a red flag law. Uh, The other thing on the enhanced background check for those 18 to 21, it's really to look at the juvenile records. I want to study how that works better, uh, but to me, we want to be able to make sure someone uh, who turns 18 is eligible to uh, buy a firearm, uh, that they don't have a juvenile history of violence. Obviously, that's what you want to avoid. So we want to look at that, but I I think it's a, a good example of where Congress can work together And we're going to have a bipartisan group of governors that look at this, make recommendations on best practices. And I'm delighted to see additional funding for the mental health resources that the states need. And that certainly is a challenge for us in our society today. Many other Republicans are concerned about these red flag laws. And and the fear is that law abiding gun owners might have firearms restricted or taken away. What is it with red flag laws that that leads to the concern? Well, the concern is due process, that you don't want to have a uh, psychiatrist or a counselor that reports somebody who who might just be anti-gun, and and, uh, then all of a sudden the police come and take your guns away. So that's, uh, in essence, the concern. And that's why you have to build in the due process protections, both before uh, at every stage of this. 
And so uh, before anyone uh, is adjudicated uh, mentally ill or should have their uh, firearms taken away, they need to have due process uh, to make sure that uh, they're heard in it. Governor, we are in election season, primaries across the country, November is coming up quickly. Democrats are hoping that the Supreme Court rulings by a, a conservative majority motivate more of their voters to come out like the abortion issue. Do you think that's possible? Well, wait and see. I think it's still a little bit too early to know, and and experience is going to help us over the next couple of months. But whenever you look at uh, the politics of it, uh, you've got uh, two choices. You've got the uh, Democrats that advocate abortion without any limits at all. And you've got Republicans that advocate restrictions on abortion. And I believe that uh, the debate will be about what kind of restrictions. You are term limited, so you were not running for a third term in Arkansas. Is there a chance that there is a 2024 campaign with you potentially eyeing a Republican nomination for the White House? Well, Yes. The answer is uh, I'm looking at that future. I want to be able to help maintain the American story of freedom of opportunity for everyone in America. That's important to me. And I want leaders that are problem solvers. We've got challenges for our country. And so I'm going to be uh, testing the waters. But, you know, right now we want to win the election this fall, not get ahead of ourselves. I want to finish strong as governor of Arkansas. We'll see what the future holds. All right. Governor Asa Hutchinson, Republican from Arkansas. Thanks very much for joining us. Great to be with you. Thank you. This is Will Kane with your Fox News commentary coming up. It's a ruling years in the making. The 6-3 Supreme Court decision in favor of former assistant high school football coach Joseph Kennedy, who lost his job in Bremerton, Washington, for continuing to pray on the field after games, a ritual that had included players until the district told him to stop. If this were a case about a coach that just wanted to pray privately in a way that didn't pressure students, we wouldn't be here. Rachel Laser is president and CEO at Americans United for Separation of church and state, which represented the school district. Rabbi Sarah Newmark is one of the Bremerton community leaders who filed a brief in support of the district, telling the court the coach placed his rights above theirs. Newmark says she remembers when there was prayer in public schools. I remember going to my mother and saying, do Jews pray the Lord's Prayer? or Is it okay? And the answer is really we don't. It's not. It's a Christian prayer. But we said it right after the Pledge of Allegiance until prayer was banned in school. In the majority opinion, Justice Neil Gorsuch likened the district's treatment of Kennedy to discrimination, resting on a mistaken view that they needed to ferret out and suppress religious observances, even as the district allows comparable secular speech to avoid violating the separation of church and state. Yeah, when it came out, we were all sitting around a table and it was the first uh, case that they released. So it was insta-shock. You know, we were waiting for maybe the last one of the day, but it fired right out the gate. Kennedy was with his lawyers in anticipation of a possible ruling when it happened on Monday. And I I was just in shock. I had nothing to say. I had uh, just that blank look on my face. I was like, what does it say? What does it mean? And they were all busy reading it. So I've just been, you know, I have a permanent smile right now. I'm 
just ecstatic for the win for everybody in this country and everybody that has supported me. And I just thank God for, you know, having the opportunity to be able to have the strength to stand and continue this fight. Have you been hearing from former players during this long legal fight or now that it's over? All the way through. Uh, we have been so close over the years. Uh, just over Christmas, uh, one of my football players from probably the first couple of years I coached, he had me fly up back to Bremerton, Washington to perform um, their marriage ceremony. So, yeah, I'm still very much involved with these guys' life. And the social media absolutely blew up right after they everybody got the news. A big part of the school district's argument was that you know, players might feel pressured to pray in order to please their coach. Did players say that to you at the time or did you address that issue with them? Well, yes, Bremerton's a very small community and our football program, I, I was with these kids for eight years and there was no hidden secrets. If a kid had a problem, they come and talk to me about it. And I've had a few kids over the years saying, hey, coach, I just don't feel comfortable with joining you in prayer. Outstanding. Never a problem. I, I actually think that that's really great that we have those kind of relationships where people will talk. And I understand the school district because, you know, they said somebody could potentially, you know, feel that way. I, I stopped praying with the kids um, at the end and I got fired for actually praying all by myself. It had nothing to do with the kids. Monday's decision doesn't only side with Kennedy. In the dissenting opinion, Justice Sonia Sotomayor writes, it also overrules decades of precedent, namely the so-called lemon test, using several measures to determine a violation of the Constitution's Establishment Clause, including whether the purpose of a government action is to endorse or disapprove of religion. Justice Sotomayor says Kennedy's case is about whether a public school must permit a school official to kneel, bow his head, and say a prayer at the center of a school event. She says the Constitution does not authorize, let alone require, public schools to embrace this conduct and that the court is giving short shrift to the Establishment Clause when weighing it against individual rights. We also spoke with Coach Kennedy's senior counsel, Jeremy Dice. Well, I think the case certainly did finally put the last nail in the coffin, or perhaps it has finally entered the, the, the ghoul of the lemon test, as Justice Scalia once referred to it. Uh, and so that case is no longer good law. Instead, what the court has asked us to do now, uh, and this stems from a 2019 decision where uh, we took a case to the Supreme Court called American Legion versus American Humanist Association. The court is now pointing to that as the standard for how we evaluate establishment clause cases, which means we're going to look to kind of the history and practice of our country. If this is something that would be completely unsurprising or unexciting to you know the founders at that era, then it's certainly something that would be constitutional. So if the founders were engaged in public acts of prayer or private acts like this, uh, then it's perfectly constitutional. They were, and so this is. Well, the district also argued it, it might appear that the school was endorsing one religion over another. So why wouldn't a coach kneeling in prayer on the field, you know, leave people with that impression that that specific religion is, is being endorsed by the school? And you know, the justices has completely rejected that argument that this was kind of a coercion by sight, that the fact that he could be seen engaged in religious activity was enough to establish a religion in violation of the Constitution. But the Justice Gorsuch is very clear on this point, was to say that uh, there were other interests that, that needed to be balanced here as well, namely Coach Kennedy's free exercise rights as well as his free speech rights. And both of those were trodden over 
in the zeal by the school district here to, as Justice Gorsuch said, ferret out uh, any kind of religious activity to suppress it. Uh, and so that negative treatment of religion was condemned by the Supreme Court, and I think rightly so, because uh, in our country, we are a better country when we have more inclusivity and more diversity, and that includes more inclusivity and more religious diversity as well uh, when that happens. And so Justice Gorsuch concludes that, hey, look, you cannot require teachers or coaches to shed their constitutional rights when they walk through the schoolhouse gates, whether that is of uh, constitutional rights experienced by a Presbyterian, a Baptist, a Hindu, a Muslim, a Catholic, those are all welcome into our society and, in fact, makes us a better country when we respect them. Interesting, though, that, you know, it's been suggested by observers online and some media outlets, too, that someone of a different faith wouldn't have been given the same ruling. Do you, do you either of you think there's any validity to that? I think the Supreme Court would have had the exact same ruling. In fact, if they hadn't, I would have been very disappointed. Had Coach Kennedy been of any other faith, perhaps I would have been on a, a plane sooner than the plane I caught to go sign him up as a client because everyone deserves religious liberty regardless of their faith background. Why? Because religious liberty for one faith group is religious liberty for all of us. Today, we are a more free country because Coach Kennedy maintained his fight for almost seven years to preserve religious freedom, not just for himself, but for all Americans. He did that once in the Marine Corps, physically fighting to protect our freedoms. He's done this again by maintaining this lawsuit for the last almost seven years to protect the religious freedom of all Americans. I'm proud of him for that. What about the argument that not enough deference is being given to precedent and that the court's decisions should be more narrow, including in this case? Well, I, I think what you saw the justices doing in this case is to point to the Constitution and say, look, if any precedent stands in the way of what the Constitution actually says or requires, it's got to go uh, because that's what is right here. And that brings us to an important point that uh, the Supreme Court announced on Monday that Coach Kennedy did nothing wrong, that the only bad actor in this situation, the only people that engage in any kind of discrimination, that was the school district here. So you had the power of the state rain down upon a private citizen suppress their religious liberty, suppress, his, censor his free speech, remove his civil rights and fire him from his job for simply expressing what he's allowed to express under the Constitution. For that, the justices said the school district is now liable. Now, this case argued successfully that, you know, the coach was essentially preying on his own time after games. Critics, though, are saying, you know, this amounts to letting prayer back into public schools are either of you concerned about that if it happens, you know, given that separation is supposed to exist? Not at all. Look, the, the Supreme Court has been clear on this as well, that neither students nor teachers shed their constitutional rights when they walk to the schoolhouse gates. So certainly students can pray at any time, whether that's on the football field, in the locker room, in classroom discussions and homework in the hallways, the lunchroom, wherever that might be, we know they're entitled to do that. And if anyone is ever uh, told otherwise, I hope they'll give me a call so we can defend those students as well. But what is now abundantly clear is that teachers and coaches deserve that same freedom as well. So uh, whether or not they are engaged in a, a 15 to 30 seconds worth of private, quiet prayer, the 50 yard line, or simply praying over their salad in the lunchroom, wearing a crucifix around their neck or a hijab around their head or a yarmulke on top, they all deserve the protections of the First Amendment's free exercise rights. And the state cannot use the Establishment Clause as some sort of cudgel to drive off religion from its public school campus as if it's some sort of contagion that's going to get everyone ill. Coach, have you heard from a lot of other educators, um, coaches about this case over, over the years as well? 
Yes, I have, uh, especially at, uh, at Bremerton, because these people are my friends, and I still consider them my friends today. We worked together for almost a decade, and we were just all put into a real ridiculous spot because of the school district lawyers. And throughout the years, uh, people from all over the United States, teachers, educators, anybody that worked for a school district, uh, they've been behind me, and it's just been I mean, so uplifting to have so many people being on the same page to fight for our freedoms. I imagine it's been tough, too, though. I mean, this has been, what, a seven-year journey now, a seven-year legal fight, and it's brought so much attention on you. I mean, something that, like that really changes your life, I would imagine. Oh, it has. And my wife, she was a human resource director for the Bremerton School District. So imagine the pressure she went through being in the HR department of the school districts we're suing. It made my life uh, pretty interesting for quite a while. And we had two kids in the high school at the time and one at the middle school. So this is our home. This is where everybody is. So, yeah, it has been a long, hard road, but absolutely worth every minute of it. Is life going to go back to Bremerton? I, I've, I read that you are or have been in Florida recently, you know, taking care of someone in your family. Is is the plan to have all of you back in Bremerton? Where do things stand? You know, I when we moved down to Florida, it was to, yes, to take care of a family member. And since everything was in limbo and there was nothing going on, it's been such a long trip. We were like, hey, let's go live a little while we're waiting for the courts to decide this. Now that they have decided, I haven't even sat down with my wife to talk about the logistics or with the school district on what happens next. There's just so many unknowns. But my plan is uh, we get a call from the school and they invite me back for um, this coming season and I'll be on the first flight. Yeah, just then it sounded like a when, not an not an if. So you're 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 are you? I mean, this was a part time assistant coaching job. Do you, is this? Do you want the same job back? Oh, that's all I ever asked for, and that's what you know. It was really the whole principle of be, not being able to leave on my own terms. Um, eventually, you would all everybody retires from coaching, as as much as we love it and as much time as it takes, and. My, my journey was not over at that time. I felt like I had a whole lot of things to do left and, and had a lot to give. So the next chapter is coming up. I don't know what that exactly looks like, but, you know, I got faith and confidence that God's going to help me navigate through it. And we'll see what happens. Coach Joseph Kennedy, Senior Counsel Jeremy Dice, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for awesome. having us. Thank you. Other news. I'm Gianna Gelosi. Their slogan is, I'm loving it, but one man from New York does not share that sentiment, and he's taken Ronald McDonald and Wendy to court. The two fast food restaurants are being sued over their burger patties and how they're advertised, claiming the burgers in ads are larger than the burgers they receive from the restaurants. Attorneys Anthony J. Russo and James C. Kelly sent a copy of their 35-page class action complaint to Fox News after it was submitted to the U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of New York. The lawyers are representing Judge 
Justin Kimenti, a guy from New York and those like him who feel like they were swindled by burger ads by Wendy's and McDonald's. The filing cites a 2014 video interview with the website Money Talks News, where a food stylist reveals she prefers to undercook burger patties so it has a fuller appearance and works with, quote, a simple burger purchase from a grocery store. The stylist's online portfolio claims she worked with Wendy's and McDonald's. The lawsuit claims meat shrinks 25 percent when cooked and they appear 15 to 20 percent larger in ads than in real life. Russo and Kelly's class action complaint argued that overstated burger ads are unfair and financially damaging to consumers and fast food competitors. They're calling for a jury trial, damages and a revamp of ads to be more accurate. In the holy trinity of fast food joints, there's only one king missing, Burger King. But the king isn't being spared either. The two lawyers filed a similar lawsuit earlier this year for similar claims of false advertising. For the Fox News Rundown, I'm Gianna Gelosi. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to Tyrus and Tim. Every week, Fox Nation host Tyrus and Fox News contributor Kat Tim give their hot takes, explore weird headlines, and share amusing stories. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Rate and review the Fox News Rundown on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Will Kane. What's on your mind? I've been obsessed lately. I've been falling down the rabbit hole of learning more and more about Green Berets. I'm fascinated with special operators, the best of the best. Here's why. The special operator that drops in behind enemy lines gets himself surrounded, drops into the village and becomes almost one of the indigenous people in order to build up a foreign internal defense, fighters to take on whatever it is the United States of America is fighting. The reason that I'm fascinated with Green Berets is I'm fascinated with the fight from the ground up. Cultural change only happens at the grassroots. We can vote for as many presidential elections as we want, but our culture changes at its roots. I think about Green Berets when I think about the United States of America, and I think about, honestly, our culture war. Issues like whether or not children should be fed castrating chemical drugs to transition before the age of 12 or whether or not we're going to deny objective reality on who is a man and who is a woman as just one example of the culture war is something that emanates from the ground up. And what we need is cultural green berets to fight this culture war, to provide alternative paths for media, for business, for entrepreneurship, to answer the demand among the people for true objectivity, and not just that, but true virtue. What is good? What is bad? Who are we? Why are we here? We need ground-level culture warriors. We need to be surrounded. We need to take it to the extremists with alternative paths for a bright future. We need to become cultural green berets look i laid this argument out in more depth on the will came podcast where you can get conversations like this and others three times a week here at fox news podcast i hope you'll join me on the will Kane podcast you've been listening to the fox news rundown rundown stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com and for up to the minute news go to foxnews.com 
from the Fox News Podcasts Network. Download and listen to the untold story with Martha McCallum. The host of the story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.